Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio, the tastiest hour of talk in Music City. Now here's your host, Brandon Still. Hello, Music City. Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio. My name is Brandon Still, and I am your host. We've got an amazing show today with Nick Pellegrino, who's the owner of Manja in the Berry Hill area. And um, we just have a fun talk. We, you know, we, we got to the end of this conversation. It was like we could have talked for another hour. Uh, it was so great. Just a, what an amazing guy. If you haven't been over to Manja in the Berry Hill area, you definitely got to go check it out. They're big family dinners on Saturday nights. It's definitely something I'm going to be doing in the very short term. All right, we got Jason Ellis from Supersource coming on to talk about his favorite women in the city. And um, there's me. I have a special request for you out there. If you work in the industry, if you know people, um, I need servers. So I know everybody in the world needs servers. Yes, that's the thing. Servers, bartenders. But what I need, I'm looking for a special. I need six people. I need special I need assassins. I'm doing a special project at uh, Mayor Bull, and I am adding, I'm changing, we, we, we work on a tip pool, and uh, I need six people to come in, and we're going to change a ton of stuff inside the building as to how we do service, and I need people that can bring some heavy hitters. I need heavy hitters coming to the table, and I'm offering $1,000 bonuses for these particular six people. I'm gonna pay you $250, every two weeks for the first eight weeks, right? So if you come on and you're one of these six people, then uh, yeah, you're gonna get a thousand dollar bonus in the first eight weeks that you work there. Uh, we offer full insurance and uh, it's a great working environment. You get to work directly with me. These will be people on my special team that I'll be working directly with you every single day. So if you would like to apply for that or you want to learn more about it, send me an email, brandon at mayorbowls.com. That's M-E-R-E-B-U-L-L-E-S.com. Love to hear from you. If you're somebody who wants to be a manager, you any any position, whatever, in the restaurant, obviously everybody's hiring, but so are we. We work on a tip pool. We guarantee every single person that works for us uh, as a server makes at least, at least $40,000 a year. That's for full-time employees. So if you're, uh, and, and everybody makes more than that. I'm just saying, that's we're guaranteeing you that you will make $40,000 a year if you work full-time. So we'd love to have you using the podcast today for my own restaurants. We would love, love, love for at the Green Hills Grill and Maribel. If you'd like to serve, you want to bartend, or if you're interested in management opportunities, please contact me, brandon at maribel.com. All right. Let's see what my friend Jason Ellis has for us today. All right, like I said, we're going to jump in right now with Jason Ellis. He's the managing partner over at Supersource. What's up, Jason? Hey, Brandon. How are you doing today? Man, I'm doing fantastic. And you know what? We did an episode on this past Saturday for La Dame de Scoffier. Had some amazing women on their table talk. Aaron Byers-Murray interviewed Deb Paquette. Um, Caroline Galzen and Margot McCormick. We were honored to be able to put that out on Saturday. You guys said, hey, man, I know you don't do advertising on that show, but we would love to support LaDom. What can we do? So we threw you on the show. We're going to donate the money straight to LaDom Descoffier. Thank you so much for doing that. 
man, we appreciate the opportunity to do that. Um, you know, we like to support the badass women in our industry. I mean, shout out to a couple of them. Jolene Smithing at Green Hills Grill, Maribel, uh, Caroline Gaston over at Greenery Co. in Hillsborough Village, just absolutely killing it with that location. Um, and then Audrey Gidry over or Audrey Gidry over at Pelican and the Pig. Um, her and Nick are just destroying it over there. So, I mean, uh, as well as the rest of the support staff, chefs, everything else that we're uh, partnered with, with all these women, just absolutely killing it. Um, and I cannot forget to shout out my wife who handles all my social media stuff. So um, these women are just out there making it happen and supporting us and getting this going where it needs to go as we wake back up. I love it, man. You know what? That's a good message. Just to, you know what? Go out and support local. Um, we we want to encourage you to go support Black-owned businesses. We want to support uh, women-owned businesses. These are people that are technically in the minority. And, you know, we want to raise them up. Just, just raise them up. Yeah. And um, please go out and support them. The people that you just talked about, Greenery & Co., Pelican & Pig. Uh, thank you for the shout-out for the Green Hills Grill of Maribel. I mean, I, I always love that. But... Um, that's just awesome, man. Um, I want to go into more. Like, I, I feel like we should uh, talk more. Anything about the dish machine and chemical world right now that uh, is happening? Anything that's big in your your heart right now? Nothing, man. Just just talk about Ladam and and all the success they're doing. That's that's the biggest thing on our heart after listening to uh, to your last podcast on that. So, I mean, we wanted to come on and just shout out these women that are out there making it happen. So. Uh, that's what we wanted to focus on today. Love it, dude. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much for supporting us. And we will see you in a few weeks. If you want to get a hold of Jason Ellis, if you want to be part of the people that work with Jason, the guy's absolutely legit. You need to give him a call. 770-337-1143. Or if you go to our website at NashvilleRestaurantRadio.com, click the Sponsors tab and go down to the Super Source um, button. Click the button there. Go there and he's going to offer you three months of free dish machine rental. Um, give him a call. He would love to come in and just do a general assessment as to what you're doing and how you're doing. It costs you nothing. Uh, the number one thing I hear people say is it's too good to be true. And you know what? That's a good, that's a good problem to have people <laughs> thinking it's too good to be true. Jason Ellis, you're the man. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Brandon, for having me. Have a great day, buddy. All right, brother. You too. Thank you so much, Jason. We are now going to jump in with Nick Pellegrino. Guys, have a wonderful week. All right, so we are so excited today, as I always am, to welcome in my friend Nick Pellegrino. He's the owner of Manja. Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio, man. Yeah, it's good to be here again, buddy. I will say welcome back. To Nashville Restaurant Radio. Yes, yes. I, yes. I, I tell you, man, I was I was on this when you first started. I guess right. You know, we're yeah. like, from the and, beginning. And I got to tell you, you know, you know, we were just talking about this. I, I I love the evolution of what you're doing, man. I just love that you're you're doing this. Number one, I think it's so valuable for for people in the business and then people outside the business to kind of understand a little bit more about what we go through every day. And how uh, how much this is there really is a labor of love. Like you know, we're not all getting super wealthy because we own restaurants. You know, most of us do this because we really do love it. And it's good for you to kind of 
get that stuff out there and let people see what what we go through every day and you know the challenges and and the and obviously the great rewards that you know we ultimately all strive for so it's it's awesome and i just i love watching the evolution of your show it's 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 great stuff and i love that you know you're getting sponsors so people are seeing value in what you do outside of the business so it's a congratulations but i'm just really proud to see it well i'm super humbled by that thank you so much that's very kind of you to say and it has been a, a, a crazy evolution you know you see those things on facebook or whatever that says how how it started and how it's going yeah, like, yeah. The, how it started like i would have like my cell phone up to the microphone talking right, to right. randy rayburn and and like had like a little stand holding the cell phone into the same microphone and now right. i'm looking at you and we've got logos and all the stuff. backdrop down there yeah. Ooh, look at you you're like a celebrity you look like well it's like cnn like you know like you could be like the larry king of of restaurants you know well, hey one day that would be that would be a fun goal i would really love that so if From you're listening cnn <laughs> when you get to the eight in your 80s you could still be doing this <laughs> what say you <laughs> what say you <laughs> But no, it's funny. I like that you said you said something there. You said that um, guests could potentially listen and learn something about our business. My initial kind of thing was for us, by us, you know, as a this is a way for all of us to connect. We're going through a pandemic. I wanted people to know that they weren't alone, and I really wanted to share everybody's stories. But the other side of it that I really also wanted to do was to inform the public, give them a backstage view of exactly yeah. what goes on because so many people have no effing clue no when they idea. go to a restaurant. They just act like they own the place and they go around and they go, hey, they, they snap or they, yeah, you know, especially, yeah. <laughs> what do you do if you're wearing a mask and there's all these new things? Like I wanted to yeah. keep the general public up to date with like, hey, don't do that. Don't leave one-star reviews oh. in the middle of a pandemic because you didn't get what you wanted. Like, stop. Yes. And I think that, like, you know, the, the timing of all this, you know, all these great interviews that you do with, with all of us have really just, you know, shine a light on what we are really going through. Yeah. Okay. Everybody knows it's hard. It's hard. It's been a hard year for everybody. But this particular segment of the business world has really been struck down by it, you know, harder yeah. than anybody. And, and, I think one of the cool things about all of this, you know, if we can get anything positive about it, is that it has shown a light on what everybody goes through and all these great shows that, you know, the, the show that Guy Fieri did about the restaurant hustle when, you know, he had Manit on the show and, and a couple of other chefs and just showed like day to day what we're all dealing with. And it's, it's is it easy? Of course it's not easy. It's not, it has not been easy for anybody. But we all do this because we love it. And, you know, we genuinely, genuinely do love people. You know, we love, yeah. you know, to serve people and, and make people happy. Nothing makes me happier than when somebody tells me that their food reminds me of their grandmother's food. I mean, those are the kind of things that get you through that next day. It's not about getting rich. It's not about hanging out with a cigar saying, yeah, come on into the restaurant. We'll have drinks. You know, I'll get the girls to bring. Come here, come here. You, know, you want instantly get more in the restaurant? Snap your fingers. We'll have a highball. <laughs> we'll have a highball. We'll smoke yeah. a couple of stogies. It's not like that at all. So yeah, man, it's it's just it's great to see what you're doing, and it's great like to open up, you know, and lift up the curtain and show people 
look, it's not just, you know, why is this, why is this plate of pasta costing me $15 when I could buy pasta for 99 cents in the store and, you know, and I can make it better at home. Well, stay home then, you know, (laughs) (laughs) seriously, we're here for an experience. There's service. You don't have to clean up. There's no dishes. There's nothing. You don't have to drive to the store to buy these things. You don't have to prep. You don't nothing. You walk in, all of that is done. You just eat, enjoy and go home. Like it's a whole thing. I, 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 tr- I attribute this to like Tiger Woods and I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll bring this around full circle and I'll explain to you. Do you yeah. golf? Yeah. I, I mean, okay. not so much anymore, but yeah, I've, I've, I've golfed my whole life. I love golf. I, I, I can describe myself as a golfer. I go, I have golf clubs. So when I go <laughs> golfing, like I have my own clubs and uh, I enjoy I pass, being outside. I pass my golf clubs in the garage as I go to my car. Every yeah. I, I like hanging out with friends. So yeah, I like to golf. But every time I golf, there's like those one or two shots that go, damn, you see that? Like you haul one from like 150 yards out randomly and you're like, I'm like Tiger Woods today. Like what? (laughs) You have that one shot that makes you come back. And I had a table, uh, two women came in the restaurant. I I think I've told this story before, but I had two women come in the restaurant a few weeks ago and I walked in front of them and said, hey, how are we doing today? And they're like, oh, we're okay. And I said, Awesome. They said, we just have two. And I go, great. Is there, a, do you have a favorite place in the restaurant that you like to sit? And they said, actually, it's our first time. And I'm like, oh my gosh, well, that's fantastic. Like, welcome. Do you have, do you want a quiet space? Do you want a little more energy? It's like, right, right, I just right. kind of want a quiet booth. I'm like, well, follow me. I got a great cozy booth in the corner. We sit down and they're like, do you have alcohol? I'm like, oh yeah, let's do it. You know, but I'm just like having a good time yeah. and talking to him. The server comes up and I get, they have like a real fun server who just like yeah. totally caters to him, just loves people. And I came back at the end of their meal and I said, so how were the drinks? How was everything? And they, they kind of looked up at me and they said, you know what? We've never been here before, but we needed this today. And I said, you needed this today? Like, I don't, he said, well, my dad and her husband died yesterday. And we were really low and coming in here, just your energy and the entire experience in this restaurant is just something that I don't know what it was. We think God may have brought us here today because we just needed this. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, it's what it's that, it's that tiger. What's that's the shot that you hit and you're like, I want to come back and do this again tomorrow. Because when you're able to make people feel that way, when you're able to just through service, all those assholes that do all the stupid shit yeah. melts away and you go i i made somebody's life better today i did something for somebody that made them smile made their heart happy i want to do more let's do that again and i think that's the that's, that's what everything. we're doing here right that's everything and we we've we've experienced that so much you know in the the 10 years that we've been doing the our big family style feast you know i've experienced that exact vibe that exact conversation over and over again because it's such a celebration and people come and they celebrate things together and i've i've had people come in and say i really needed this you know so and so happened to me today and this just this just brought me out of it and we've had so many wonderful you know i i i may have talked to you about this before i i call them manja miracles there are things that happen at our tables and i always I always tell people, you know, when we do the feast and we, we, I get up in the middle of the night and we toast all the celebrations. I do a little speech about, you know, how we started and what the original idea was for this concept. It was not like, 
oh, I want to open a restaurant. It was never that. I thought of all the greatest times. And this was sitting around with friends on New Year's Eve and we're celebrating. And and I thought of all the greatest times that I've ever had with my family in New York in my grandma's basement apartment and 40 of us sitting around a little, you know, tiny little table and you sat there for three hours and you ate and and those amazing memories that happened around a table sharing a meal and you know italian people are very much usually all the great shit happens when we're sitting at a table and we're eating yeah and it's not just it's not solely italian people there's so many cultures that you know every culture you know when when they sit around that table that's 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 it you know that's where the family comes together. That's where the celebrations happen. So I always tell people that, you know, that's that's the most important thing. And I wanted people to be able to share that kind of experience when they come and sit at our tables. And so real quick, back to the Manja Miracle thing, those things have happened to us all the time. And I've dubbed the Manja Miracles. When we first started doing it, when we were still a pop-up, uh, I had a friend of mine that, that I knew from the music business. She was a TV producer in town and, you know, for the first like year or two that we were doing it, she was like, I'm coming, I'm coming. I definitely want to come. And I hadn't seen this woman in a long time. So she, she finally makes a reservation. She's we're going to come in my husband and I, she comes, I greet her at the door and you know, she's with her husband and her head is shaved. And I said, how are you? She goes, well, we're here to celebrate tonight. I said, what are you celebrating? She says, I'm cancer free. I just, you know, had a bout with breast cancer and, you know, finished all the chemo and we're, I'm officially cancer free and we're here to celebrate. Gave her a big oh. help. That's so cool. And you know, when, when obviously before COVID, when we start, when we were doing this, you would sit with strangers every night and not know. I mean, if it was two people, chances are you're going to sit with another few couples or anything. So I had them at a table for five. It was them and three other people. So the three other people walk in the door about 15 minutes later and it's this young couple and they're with the girl's mom and the girl's mom, her head is shaved. Uh-uh. And I, I, I don't know these people, so I sit them down. And so, you know, during the night I go, How, how's it going guys? You know, you're enjoying everything. And my friend looks up to me, she's, you're never gonna believe this. She said, we both just today were declared cancer free. We both had breast cancer and these two women connected. And that was like, the greatest thing. I mean, that would like get anybody through the next shitty asshole that comes into the <laughs> restaurant for the next five years. And that stuff kept happening over and over at our tables. And I started calling these are manja miracles. And you put these people in this situation and wonderful stuff happens. And it's nothing that we control. I'm not like this like mastermind. Oh, oh, give me the two people with the cancer. Let's get them at that table. No. No, it's just it's just stuff has happened for years and years. And it's exactly like you say, man, when you, you're having the shittiest day, you know, the, the mixer broke and it's going to cost you $1,000 to fix that thing. And then some people come in and, you, and they have that exact conversation that you just told me right there. And all of a sudden, all that other shit just washes away. And you're like, yes, that's why I do this. Yeah, I love food. I love to cook. But making people happy. It's everything, man. It's everything. And you know what? That's that's why locally owned and operated restaurants are the best because you have people yeah. like you who are running the place. And it takes it, – it's that mentality that when you come here, you're almost part of the family. We're doing something that's bigger yeah. than just feeding you. If you want to get full, you can go to McDonald's and you can order a meal and you can, you can leave there full. But we want you to leave nourished. 
that a good way to put it? Yeah, I have an idea. I tell people you leave here full and fulfilled. Ah, see, they like that too. You, you take something more than just a good meal with you when you walk out of here. And we, we have that. And you're right about the family-owned places and the local places. I mean, Nashville is just full of them. And, the, and if you look and you think about what the most popular places in Nashville are, the most beloved places, they're those places. They're the Margos and, the, and the, you know, the Etches and the, the places that are owned by people that are so entwined in this community in Nashville that people want it. They go in there to see you, you know, they come in here not to eat. They come in to see you. And, that, and that, that's great, man. It's just it's so amazing that that could happen here. So Margot is the first name that comes to my brain when you think about the like just the caring and the love and oh, yeah. everything she I mean, she's. I think one of the most amazing people. I just put out an episode on Saturday. Uh -huh. A little plug I'm going to throw out here. Um, <laughs> La Dame d'Escoffier is a organization here in Nashville. La Dame d'Escoffier, the Nashville chapter. Yeah. Um, they do a, something called a table talk every month. And Aaron Byers Murray yeah, uh, was the interview interviewer. And she interviewed Deb Paquette, Caroline Galson, and Margot McCormick. Uh, it's an hour-long interview just about all the things, and I aired it on Saturday on Nashville Restaurant Radio. So you should go back and listen to that. Yeah, Three yeah, amazing, absolutely. four amazing women talking okay. about all the things. You should go check it out. Yeah, it's awesome. That's There's awesome. my plug. Hey, yeah, I had an idea. Yeah. I went to Food Service Technology, FS Tech, which is a conference. This year it's going to be in Dallas, and I am going to go. It is in September, I think, September, October. Uh, but one of the things that they have there is they have lockers. Okay. They're these big like lockers and you know, they're 12 by 12. I don't know, but you can get them. There's like 10 of them, 10 right. lockers inside the locker is plugs and these plugs come out and they will plug into any device that you have. Uh -huh. And I was thinking, what do you think about the idea of having these lockers at the front of the restaurant offering a free appetizer or something? If people put their cell phones in the lockers <laughs> Good so luck that they can with that <laughs> how would they take a picture of their food <laughs> well, that's a good point you how know? would they take a picture of their food yeah how would they how would they connect with their family isn't that crazy like nobody eats food without taking a picture of it anymore <laughs> it's like they don't take a picture when it's all over after they use the bathroom let me get a picture of this you know there nobody's getting really good <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, but they they'll take a picture of it going in you know? oh all, all day long and you know the, i think that's almost like a detriment because so many of these pictures that the people take is terrible lighting good. the food the food no. looks horrible and then they put that online and you're like just just don't do that really like yeah. i we have professionals that take pictures of our oh, food I know, I know. we post them all the time yeah and then, and then sometimes, you know, you'll get a customer that comes in that takes the most amazing photograph. It's like, can I use this? And I'm like always reposting that, that stuff. Yeah, sometimes it just looks like a plate of hot garbage, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's not my food. <laughs> not my food. You, it doesn't look anything like my stuff. You mentioned Manit Shohan a minute ago. I yeah. was watching the champion, Tournament of Champions, Champion yeah. of Champions over here. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Um, she was on the show. Yeah. She was on Nashville Restaurant Radio the week after she won that. So we got to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things that they did really uniquely in that show was that they uh, they they played different rounds for different restaurants locally. Yeah. And one of the restaurants that she played 
one of those rounds for was Manja. Yeah. Uh, the she final won. Round, the final round on the final round? when she won the big the whole thing. That was insane. I mean, you know, I've known Minnie since she came to Nashville. We did a, a, a generous helpings dinner here, probably the first year that she was in Nashville. And, and her and Tom Eckert, her executive chef over there, came in and cooked with me and, and a couple of other chefs from Nashville. And she was just like, you know, when she came in, I, you know, I put my hand out. She goes, come, we, we hug. We don't, we don't shake hands. And, and she was amazing. She's like, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? And jump right in there. And so we've gotten to be friends and, and she's just wonderful. And we'll talk every once in a while about what's going on. And I talk to Tom fairly often. And, you know, first week in December, I get a phone call and it's like, hey, it's so-and-so from the Food Network. And are you familiar with this show? And I'm like, yeah, I, 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 of course I know the show. He says, well, you know, this year we're doing a little something different. Each, each contestant plays for one of their favorite restaurants. And if they win, they give $10,000. And one of the chefs has won and they want to give you $10,000. And I'm like, yeah, right. And so I'm just like, like, no, no, we're serious and we need all the information. So I give her all the information and I immediately go online and I'm like, well, I don't even know who's on this show. So I look and it's like, it's like a Nigerian like, prince. Yeah, but I like, yeah, it's that Nigerian prince. <laughs> and I just to give my, my bank account information. But, um, so I go on there and the only one I knew was Manit and I'm like, oh damn, that's so cool. And so here's, here's the greatest part about all of this. And, and I share this with everybody because it's just like, just a gift from just a wonderful, wonderful human being. Um, so that happened the first week and I get all the information and so we're going to, we're going to send the check out to you and we, we wanted to get it out, you know, this week because, you know, get it in there before the end of the year, we want you to have it now. So I'm like, great, great. So, you know, a week later, uh, one of my employees here who works part-time in another place comes in and says, hey, one of the guys at the other place has tested positive for COVID, so we need to all get tests. And I'm like, are you okay? He says, yeah, you know, I got tested and I'll, I'll, I'll check it out and I'll let you know. So I'm like, all right, well, I, I'm, I'm feeling, you know, I, I was doing most of the work myself at that point, you know, with everything that was going on. So I was already wiped out every day and I'm just like, oh, I'm just tired. And so I went and got tested and I, I was positive and my wife got tested. She got it. My son got it. So we had to close the restaurant for 10 days. We are going to hear the rest of that story right after this word from our sponsors. Hey guys, we all know staffing is tough right now. a small business, it's hard to bring
right before Christmas when oh. I was like, oh, this is going to be busy. We're going to do caterings. We're going to get people in here. I'd close it down completely. And like literally two days after I got, you know, the, the positive results, $10,000 check came in the mail. And it was wow. like, come on. And that got us through, you know, Christmas. And, you know, right after Christmas, we had to lay everybody off again. But that thing happening to me, the way it happened was just magical. It was like shit that you see on TV, obviously. They don't, you know, they don't tell that part of the story, which I think would be really cool if they, they came back and they revisited all those places. Because, you know, you know, people look at, at, at the restaurant world and they're like, well, $10,000, that's really not a lot of money. You know, maybe that pays, you know, the food cost for, for a week or, or two weeks, whatever it is. But with everything that was going on, it might as well have been a million dollars, you know? So, um, you know, that was one of the most amazing things. And just from an amazing, amazing human being, she's so wonderful. And, and um, you know, every time I think about her doing that for me, you know, and she did for Margo too, and, and, and a couple other places. I mean, she gave away $40,000 to restaurants. You know, that is just so amazing. And, and hats off to, you know, to, to Guy Fieri, man. You know, say whatever you want about this guy and his food and, and oh, it's obnoxious. I don't really care. This guy has done so much for restaurants in the last year, given so much money away out of his own pocket, his own time. And the fact that he even took the initiative to incorporate all that into his shows just speaks so much about that guy. And, you know, I've, I've really in, in, in been inspired by by just celebrity chefs in the last year, the ones that have really stepped up. He stepped up, you know, Tom Colicchio, Andrew Zimmern, lobbying Congress, you know, to get this these grants for restaurants. You know, th 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 that goes right back to what we we're talking about earlier, how why we really do this. Nobody's doing this to get rich. You know, you're doing it because it's something that you love and you love to make people feel good. And, you know, when things like that happen and big shot chefs that have that big microphone and the big camera to say, here's what's going on, guys. We have to help these people, you know, and like Jose Andres. I mean, that guy, I mean, you want my to mind, insane. He, he should have the Nobel Peace Prize every year for the next 10 years. <laughs> I mean, with everything that this man has done, I mean, you, you, when you look oh. at things like that, you realize where all of this comes from. You know, it, it yeah, we, we love to cook and we love to make food and experiment and create new things. But it's really about connecting with people and, and helping people, nourish people, nourish their bodies and nourish their souls. And, and that's, you know, when, when people like that do those kind of things, it's a great way to say, Yes, these guys are successful. They're fantastic. They're on television, but look what they're doing. You know, there's a lot of people out there that don't do those sort of things. But these guys, would, they all stepped up. If you're listening to this and you don't know who Jose Andreas <laughs> is, he yeah. is the chef who runs World Central Kitchen. And he, I think, single handedly saved thousands of restaurants, probably thousands of restaurants yeah. over the pandemic. But not to mention the m millions of people millions. that he has fed yeah. in food insecure situations. Through World Central Kitchen, 
he literally hired restaurants to serve food. Like when everybody's closed, when everybody was closed, he would get five or six restaurants to just, he would pay them to serve small meals to people in food insecure areas, to hospitality workers all, all over the world. Yeah. And uh, he, I mean, which kept restaurants, people that had no sales, all of a sudden got this huge injection to make small meals to serve people. Yeah. And it's like, that's just what people had to do to survive. It, it was what he did throughout the pandemic was really. Um, I mean, he literally I, in the past couple of years, he saved lives with with what he's done. I mean, that, that sounds like, oh, it's 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 I'm over exaggerating, but I'm really not. I mean, when all the stuff was happening in Puerto Rico, that guy was there yeah. making sure that people ate. And it's like, oh, you know, there's a disaster. Where's Jose? Is he going to be there today? And the. Yeah, you turn around and he's there. I yeah. mean, how is he, it's like, how is like he? There's the Red Cross and there's World Central Kitchen. <laughs> there it is, man. Yeah, that that's, I, 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 I was telling people just the other day, the thing that it's shown me in the last year, and I know we're all talking about this. Everybody just keeps talking and talking about it. But it's, it's a pretty monumental thing that we've lived through here. But I think the one takeaway from all of this is that it's it's put a magnifying glass on on people and who they really are. If you were a kind person and you have a big heart, it only made that bigger. If you're an asshole, it made you a bigger asshole. So it's nice. It's a good takeaway. You know, the social distancing will con continue for the assholes for all of us. So you guys just stay away. <laughs> We're, we're good with this six foot thing. <laughs> yeah, six, fine, fine <laughs> with me six too. Miles, six miles. All the good people, bring them in. We want those guys here. There's a real thing right now. They're saying that there's social re-entrance anxiety, that people are having anxiety about re-entering yeah. oh, yeah. society a, on a social it. level. Yeah. Are you do, you? do you feel any responsibility as a restaurateur to help guide people in i mean when they come in like do you ask the question like is this your first time out we want to be sensitive and we want to be i mean well, i i don't i don't i don't do that in my restaurants but i mean i try to 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 be as you know understanding and and yeah. gen gentle and you have to be because psychologically it's it's really taken a, a, a serious toll on a lot of people and you know they're almost agoraphobic they don't want to leave the house so what what we've done in you know when they lifted the mask mandate uh, last week, I've continued having my staff wear masks for that very reason, because I know we're all vaccinated. Most of us have had it already. I'm not worried about us getting sick. I'm not worrying about us getting anyone else sick, but I'm worrying about exactly that. You know, somebody who's who's coming out for the first time, and they, I always know that somebody's uncomfortable when they want to sit outside. It's like, yeah. we have seats outside. And we've got, fortunately, we have a really nice patio and the doors all open. So it's like almost the whole front of the restaurant is outdoors to begin with. But I've, I've had my staff continue wearing the masks just for that very reason, to make people feel comfortable that we're not, yes, they've lifted the mandate. That's great. People can be around each other again. That's fantastic. But you know, again, we're all in the honor system with that too. Uh, you know, nobody's got a card or, or a little, you know, yeah, yeah, I've got my I keep it on the back of my phone, man. I have it right there. Like if I brilliant. And I think that 
it's not a bad idea for everybody to do that just to make other people feel comfortable. And, and that goes back like, to it's like, you know, the same guy that refused to wear a mask when he comes in the restaurant is the same jackass who refuses to get vaccinated. <laughs> the, the people that <laughs> don't want to wear masks are the ones that never were, had vaccinated or, no, or they're, they're like, tempted, like, come on, get me sick. You know, <laughs> I'll show you. Donald Trump says I'm all right. All right. So I'm not going to get we're not going to get political. <laughs> we're not going to do that. It's not a thing. <laughs> not a you thing. Like, not I thing. hate that the whole thing got political. Let's let's. I want, I'm going to switch gears kind of. So as the guests are having this reentry to society, there's, there's this anxiety. I mentioned that because I heard about this the other day and I went, yeah, I should probably be more cognizant of that in the mm -hmm. restaurants just so that I can refocus my brain. Cause my brain's moving on to like a million other things. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to move past everything, but I have to go back and go, that's right. People's feelings. And when it comes down to people's feelings, you know who the people right now who whose feelings I'm most concerned about? Who? The people who work in restaurants because we are getting run ragged right now. Both of my teams at both restaurants, everybody's working 40 to 50 hours. I mean, they're making hand over fist money. Money is crazy right now in restaurants if you're a server or a yeah. bartender. I mean, oh yeah. my gosh. Because it is, there's so much demand right now, and there's just not workers. And I'm worried about the service community, the service staff, all managers, hospital, anybody who works in hospitality right now is burnout. I promise. Absolutely, and and that's um, again goes back to the whole kindness thing. People have to understand that. Yeah, we're busy, but we've got about five people less than we need. To yeah. work when we're this busy and it's it's not that we don't want to hire more people it's not that we're all not making money again and can hire new people there's just not enough people number one yeah. every restaurant that was closed is now opening again and all of them are more, all of them not to mention all of the new restaurants that are opening because they took that opportunity when everybody was shut down to go find that new space, whether you know they were seizing the opportunity of another restaurant going out of business, and that has happened all over the country. There's a lot of restaurant spaces available now. So everybody's like, I'm gonna be the guy that's gonna have the new restaurant, and I'm gonna make that space work. Even though that space closing had nothing to do with how successful the restaurant was, it was just the circumstances of the pandemic. But yes, everybody is understaffed, overworked, I mean, I, I, I just personally, I've just now gotten enough of people in my on my kitchen staff so that I'm not working the line. And, uh, you know, last week was the first night that I was not working, prepping at seven o'clock in the morning, working the line and leaving here at midnight since last March. So I sat down at the bar and I had a drink. I'm like, look at me. Hey. And then the next day, one of the people I hired just doesn't show up. So I'm like, I should have never had that drink. I celebrated. I, 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 you, I when I had the no hitter going. <laughs> but you, went, you went bottom of the ninth, baby. No hitters done. I'm poor. Man. You know what? I'm going to have a drink. I'm going to sit at my bar. I'm going to watch those guys do it. And they were killing it. They were great. And 
And then the next day, it's like somebody just doesn't show up. So I immediately turned to one of the other new guys. I, I was I hired. I said, you know, anybody needs a job? He goes, yeah, I do. Good. They start tomorrow. And, you know, um, what, what people are finding in the restaurant business, too, is because there's so few people out there that are available, we're all having to pay more than we usually did. All for good reason. Everybody's worth that money. But when I see restaurants that are out there and they're looking for help and they're putting line cooks, 13 to $15 an hour, I'm like, where are you going to find anybody that's going to work for that much money? I mean, we didn't pay our line cooks that much, you know, five years ago. So, um, look, you, you, people, people need to realize that every, everybody, they, they bitch about a, a $15 minimum wage, but you know, in most cities, $15 is not even enough, you know? So you have to, you have to look at it over the course of a month or even just a week, a 40 hour week, it's going to cost you an extra $80 to have your restaurant open. Pay the $80. You know what I'm saying? Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. It's, it's, it's worth every penny. When you get good people, you take care of them. It's worth every penny that you give them because they're giving you so much back in return. And um, you're absolutely right, man. Everybody's struggling with staff right now. And wait staff is just beaten down. And yes, they are. They're making good money. But, you know, after a while, it's like, you know, how much is enough? to just kill yourself you know <laughs> yeah well i mean that's that's the question you know and i wonder why why are we in this is it because people are afraid is it because i mean i've heard uh, I mean, a thousand different theories and i don't have the answer to it I think um, it's, a lot of people I think it's a combination of things i think it's a combination of things I, I i think and everybody like blames you know the supplemental unemployment i think it's at one point it was very much about that. There were people that were making 800 bucks to sit at home and take care of themselves and spend time with their family when they used to make 500 for working 40 hours a week and working like a dog. So I get that and I get why people would want to do that. And there, I, I, I don't fault anybody for that. I think what's also happened, I, I'm, I'm finding is that a lot of people is like servers, for instance, bartenders, even cooks, just left the business. I mean, they were unemployed for so long and they got another gig and they're doing something and they're making just as much money or maybe just a little bit less money and they're not worked, you know, to the bone and they don't have to deal with the people that are not the friendly people when they come in. So I get why a lot of people would leave the business. You know, uh, I, I think I, I'm finding a lot of that. I, I know I have cooks that say, you know, I, there were like five guys that used to work in the kitchen where I was. Now they're working construction. They're very happy. They're making more money. They're outside. They're, they don't have to deal with this. At the end of the day, they punch out and they're done. You know, so I, I think it's, an, it's a combination of all of that. There's a, there's a real, you know, I think the people who are really talented out there, the people who were pre-pandemic, who were just your, your A players, mm -hmm. and everybody gets put aside, you're furloughed, and guys are making more than $875 or $800 a week or whatever it was, Yeah, saw the vulnerability in something like this in this industry, and people that are really talented went to go do other things. Like you just said, they're real estate agents now, or they're yeah. working at 
Cisco or U.S. Foods or they've gone to do other things within the industry because that that option is available when there's no restaurants and they go, hey, the, I'm pretty good at this. I'm going to do this longer. I mean, hey, look, I started a podcast. I started, I mean, I started yeah. doing other things. I'm a restaurant guy. I'm not a radio guy, but here I am 170 episodes later. Yeah, I mean, and, and you're great at it. You're great at it. So and look, I don't think anybody's talent is limited to one thing. I think that the only limit you have is the amount of things that you're willing to try. That's the only way that people limit themselves. I think that, that there's a lot of undiscovered talents that people have that they don't ever have the luxury of discovering. I think that the pandemic has given them the luxury of being home and looking around and saying, what else would I be happy doing? What else do I love? I mean, you were passionate about this and, and, and it's taken off and you're really good at it. Thank but you. if I said this to you two years ago, Brandon, you should do this. You would probably be like, why? Why am I going to do that? I got a great job. I manage restaurants. I'm not going to do that. Who's got time for that? <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's a true story. And then I think on top of that, you look at these people who have been away for a while and it's like, hey, we are still in this thing. If you are immunocompromised, we want you to go back to the restaurant where you're going to work 10, 12 hour days where you have the person yelling at you or you work in an un there, there's a lot of restaurants out there that are unscrupulous of course that there's there's harassment there's swearing there's all the things that you alcoholism and drug use and just these these, <laughs> these situations that people look at but doesn't if you're a restaurant owner right don't you have to look in the mirror right now because all i see on the nashville hospitality page is the same freaking thing Hey, we're now hiring for front of the house staff, bartends. Like nobody's gonna read that and go, "Oh my gosh, you're hiring! <laughs> Holy shit, let's go, let's go work there!" Like you gotta do something different. You have to create a work environment that people want to be a part of. And yeah. I think that a lot of restaurant owners have to look in the mirror and go, "Why do I not have staff right now?" And I talked to Jess Benefield the other day, and she goes, "I don't have a staffing problem." And I don't think she was in like any kind of a, this isn't an issue, but she said, I've retained everybody and brought people from the green pheasant yeah. and we're a family and nobody's yeah. going anywhere because we yeah, yeah. treat them all really well. And I think that's a major part of this that a lot of people don't get. I think a lot of people are blaming this. Oh, well, people are still getting unemployment. It's like, well, you, you run a shitty restaurant. Yeah. Like there's <laughs> Yeah. We, I think there's, there's that two sides. There's a lot of people that run really great restaurants who love their people, that have the family atmosphere. There's yeah. a lot of them that don't, that give the rest of us a bad name. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know, like, what, what are your thoughts on kind of everything I just said? I think that that's certainly a part of it. And what you're finding now is if you are that really talented cook, you're really that, you're that, that talented front of house manager, you can kind of pick and choose the places that you want to work. So you're going to pick the place that fits you the best, where you feel the best about giving that much of yourself to it. And just like Jess said, you know, we're a family. You know, we've got people, I've got people that are with me for 10 years. You know, I've got yeah. people that are with me five years, six years, four years. And then you've got, you're going to get those other people that are going to come and go. This, It's a very transient business, as you know. You know, people bounce around. And when whenever you get a resume, and you look at the last five years and they've worked at five different restaurants, you're probably not that, you know, really getting that person to come in and interview. But if they've been someplace for five years, 
and they want to just try something different. I always ask people when I interview them, uh, cooks, and chefs, whatever it may be, is what do you want to do? What do you really want to do? You know, and I think that there is a mentality with people that I just want to be, a, I want to be a cook. I don't want to have my own restaurant. I don't want to do my own thing. That's great. The world needs people like that. And those people are very, very valuable for a restaurateur, you know, treat them well. Chef. And then there's people that want to do their own thing. I love those people, but those people are not going to be with you forever. They're going to want to do their own thing. And they're going to, they're going to want to take whatever it is that you can give them to the next place that they're at. And if, if I've, I've had a couple of people that work for me, I mean, when I, I always tell people this, my, my, my greatest success story is, is Evan LeJocchino, who is my uh, dishwasher. Over at Haythorn. Yeah. And now he's running uh, Hawthorne over there and he's a brilliant chef now. And I'd like to think that him being with me for eight years had something to do with that. And he says that it does. does. So, yeah. yeah. But the, the point I'm trying to make is you, the, the, the really, really talented people, the ones that want to do more are not going to be with you for very long. And you have to, you have to resign yourself to that. And you have to know that, okay, this guy's really great. He's going to be better than me at some point, you know, I'm gonna <laughs> and that want to do his own thing. And that's fantastic. That's where you want to give them your all. Those are the, those, everybody yes. out there that's willing to put their time and energy is a special person. But the, with the, the 25 years I've been doing this in Nashville, and I'm sure you've been much longer, but the amount of time and energy and knowledge that you can share with those people, yeah. I think that you're, you're the kind of guy, I'm the kind of guy that like, if you want that, if you want to own your own place and you want to do your own thing, I am more, more than happy to yeah. teach you the fundamentals of everything you need to do to run a successful business and show I'll open up my books. I'll show you everything you want to show you, but give me a few years, give me a couple years. And yeah. when you do that, go out and help more people. Like that's what we do though. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the cool thing like about Evan, for instance, Evan was a dishwasher at the place where I was doing a pop-up and I needed somebody to wash dishes when I was doing my feast on Saturday nights and he did it. And then he started doing prep and, and then he started cooking and doing things. And, th and then one day he came to me, he says, I, I want to go to culinary school. I said, well, that's fantastic. I said, where do you want to go? And he said the name of the school. I says, here's the deal. If you're going to go to culinary school, you know, you can go to CIA, upstate New York. It's a fantastic school. When you graduate CIA, you can work anywhere you want in the world. Are you going to go there? No. I said, okay, well, when you graduate your, your, the culinary school that you're going to go to, you know where you wind up a place just like this, making the exact same amount of money. If you want, if you're serious about this, I will stop what I'm doing every day and show you, Evan, here's some knife techniques. Here's how we do this. Here's how we make this dish. Here's how you do this. And he's like, yeah. And I would like stop and do it. And there was another kid that was doing it with him too. And, and he kind of fell off, but Evan was like, he was like soaking that shit up, man. And he got better and better and better. And when I opened this place, eventually he became my sous chef here. And he, you know, you can see those people and you know that they're not going to be with you forever because they want more and they should want more because they, they're deserving of it. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's, it's like you said, and, and, and that's all part of the, 
the crisis that restaurants are in right now because yeah, the, those people are out there. They're probably already running restaurants and the ones that aren't are, are headed in that direction. But I, I just think that there's so many places and there's just not enough people in the industry anymore just to, just to cover it all. It's true. We, uh, at the Green Hills Grill, we have, I'll tell you a story about family. Uh, Andy Rucker is our kitchen manager and he uh, has worked at the Green Hills Grill since 1991. Wow. <laughs> uh, he, went to, he went to Sam's. Yeah, he went to Sam's uh, when the restaurant closed and then came back when we when Stephen reopened it. But Doris, um, we worked at Tempo's, which was before it was the Green Hills Grill and then was at the Green Hills Grill. Still works Tuesday nights. If you're listening to this and you remember the old Green Hills Grill and you'd yeah. see Doris when you walked in, she is still there. Uh, Ron, we have a guy named Ron who's worked there the entire 25 years. Ron, I was with it ninth ninety. Yeah, well, yeah, I think he's been there the entire time. Ron was there when it opened, and he works seven shifts a week. He's there every single it's 14 shifts a week, seven days a week. Everybody loves Ron, but it's like, where's people that have worked there for over 20 years? Right. And that's more of a testament to Steven than than anything I do. But like it's amazing. It's amazing to see that. And it and it it does. It feels like a family. Like those yeah, people know each other, they trust each other. You find your people and you and you want to be around them. That's that's the bottom line. You know you can count on. You know if you get in the shit, they got your back. And so, having those people around is just priceless. <laughs> I just looked at how long we've been talking, and oh my gosh, <laughs> doing really good here. Um, you do other things besides cook, I do. and you are a <laughs> musician. You're an accomplished musician. Okay. <laughs> what do you? <laughs> Tell what do you well, play? What I, instrument you know, do you play? I did, I did that before I, I ever cooked. I mean, I was a musician professionally since I was 14, 15 years old. And the way I started cooking, I always loved to cook. You know, you grow up in an Italian-American house. You you love food. And I always loved to cook. And I, I was working as a, a, a bass player with, with an artist in, in New York City. And I had just finished a tour and ran into my buddy who I went to high school with, who was a CIA grad, and he he was a chef all over the world. And he was like, what are you up to? I said, well, I've got a couple weeks off. We're going to go in the studio, make another record with this girl, and then we're probably going to go, you know, she's going to do a tour of Europe next. And he says, well, tell you what, you love to cook. Teach me how to play the guitar, and I'll give you cooking lessons. I'm like, okay, cool. So we'd go, go to my apartment and he walks in the first day and he's got two chef jackets. He says, put this on. He says, you're going to learn it. You're going to learn it the right way. And we started with knife skills and cutting. And he's like, I remember the first time that you know, I put an apron on. I went to wipe my hand on the apron. He grabbed my hand. He says, never wipe your hand on the apron. <laughs> it's like, look, what are you doing? This is supposed to be fun. Let's smoke a joint and learn a Zeppelin song. You know? <laughs> stairway, but, man. I want to learn stairway. Yeah, but, but so that's how, I, that's how I, you know, he taught me the fundamentals of cooking. And we wound up opening a catering business together. And then I moved to Nashville, you know, uh, to be a songwriter. I, I had always written songs. And, and before I got my first publishing deal as a writer, I worked for Tomcats. I was one of the chefs out at Starwood Amphitheater. And oh, wow. Yeah, and, and Tom, who's become a very, very dear friend over the years. And I mean, talk about a place that just is like a family. I mean, like 
There oh, were man. people at Tomcats that were there for 20 years, man. And I probably still would have been there if I didn't, you know, have some success in the music business where I didn't have to cook anymore. But um, he was really great about it. For me, he knew I wasn't here to be a chef. He knew I was here to, to, to write songs and ultimately produce records and, and play music just, you know, for the most part. And he was really supportive of that. When he made me the chef on the Broadway dinner train, that was my first like executive chef gig. Um, yeah, remember that? Wow. I just I just found the brochure. I'll send you a picture. It's me with the chef hat on, and and uh, it was like Nashville's most unique dining experience. We'd cook all the food at Starwood, put it in hot boxes, bring it down to the train because the kitchens on the train didn't work, and eat. There were two kitchens. Each kitchen would serve a hundred people on the train. Wow. So, and and Tom gave me that gig. It was only three days a week. It was Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So I had the rest of the week to do my music stuff. And I did that. And, and like I said, until I was making enough money in music and I didn't have to cook anymore. But, you know, you could always go back to cooking. So, yeah, that's that's where my my whole music life uh, comes from. So I've, I've done that, you know, more than I've done cooking, you know, pretty much. So I was... Uh, that's a, that's an amazing story. I didn't know that. I would love to hear stories about your time being a chef at Starwood. Any amazing um, musician? It was the best band. Any good stories of like people oh, yeah. doing oh, blow oh, off of a hookers? You know, <laughs> in the backstage yeah, yeah, area. What do you got? That, that was more me in the '80s when I was playing music. In the, but anyway, uh, I you know I cooked for everybody that came through. Um, I I remember we, Ted Nugent, his manager. Road manager comes back in the kitchen, just throws a cooler up on the on the counter, and says, it's "Venison. Ted shot it. He killed it. Just cook it. He's not eating anything else. Do whatever you want with it." I'm like, "All right, cool." So that was cooking for Ted, and when I cooked for Aerosmith, they were like, "This is the best." I used to make this veggie uh, roasted vegetarian tort where I take puff pastry and put it in a springform pan and just roasted veggies stacked up. And Stephen and uh, Joe Perry were you know, vegetarians at the time, I don't know if they still are, but they sent a note back that it was the best vegetarian meal they've had on the whole tour and things like that. Um, I, I cooked for uh, uh, Peter Frampton and I was standing at the, the the buffet and I was, you know, grilling chicken and putting chicken on dishes and Bob Mayo came up. Bob Mayo was his keyboard player that was on Frampton Alive. And of course, as Bob Mayo comes up, I had to quote Frampton Alive. I said, Bob Mayo, Bob Mayo, keyboards. And Bob Mayo was like, yeah, I'll have the chicken. <laughs> <laughs> you asshole. Yeah, I know. I know. Bob, Bob Mayo, Bob Mayo keyboards. But yeah, I got a bunch of stories like that just with musicians, you know, meeting musicians that I like envied my entire life. And, you know, from just cooking between cooking and, and being in the music business and playing and encountering these folks. It was interesting stuff. Who's the, is there a musician or a celebrity that you've met that you're just like, that you were completely starstruck that you were just like, once. Oh my gosh. One Ooh. time. So, huge Pink Floyd fan. David Gilmore is like, that's the guitar player that I want to be my whole life. So, I'm 18 years old. I'm playing with a band at the Ritz in Manhattan, New York City. And we opened for a band that had, one of the guys from the Sex Pistols in it, and I got a great story about him too. And Michael DeBars was a singer, the, the the rhythm section from Blondie. Anyway, our manager also 
uh, owned the Ritz. Wow. So and knew I was a huge Pink Floyd fan. So after the set, he comes over to me, says, "Come with me. I want you to meet somebody." So I'm like, oh, "Okay, okay." I'm like 18 years old, and uh, it takes me back to the to the office, and it's the office is pretty dark, and then, and there's like a little light over the desk, and standing there is David Gilmore and Bernie Taupin, just drinking brandy, just hanging out. And I, he brings me over, like, to say hello, to introduce me. And, like, I totally blew off Bernie Taupin. Like, any other situation, I'd be like, holy shit, Bernie Taupin. <laughs> oh, my God. But I'm like, this is Bernie Taupin. Like, yeah, yeah hey, Bernie Taupin. Did you call him? Did you say David or did you say Mr. Gilmore? I said, I, I just looked at him and he says, this is, I said, I know who this is. I shook his hand. I said, you are the reason why I play guitar. And he says, well, I heard your set and you were wonderful. And I was like, I, I was speechless. I was like, holy shit. And the manager's like, okay, we got to go now. Let's leave the guys alone. I said, thank you. I just said, I just kept saying, thank you. Thank you. It's like the only time I got starstruck and with, with anybody, everybody else, you know, that I've met that were big stars growing up, you know, that I idolized were all really cool for the most part. And, but that was the only time that I was just like, what do I say to David Gilmore? I'd probably yeah. be like that with Paul McCartney too, for sure. But like my, my buddy met, yeah, my buddy, well, I, well, I met uh, Keith Richards, wasn't starstruck. Keith was awesome. I, you know, no took a picture with him. I said, can I get a picture with him? He said, you're right, mate, come on. Puts his arm on my shoulder and takes a picture. And we, we had some friends in common. So that was, it, it like, Kind of took the Might edge a little bit. I wasn't yeah. just like German as a fan, but uh, what was I going to say? I, I was going to tell you about uh, somebody else, but Sex anyway, Pistols, Sex Pistols guys. So Steve Jones, guitarist from the Sex Pistols, the greatest punk rock band ever, in my mind. Just like the definitive punk album is Never Mind the Bullocks, the Sex Pistols. Like you want to know what punk rock is? Put that record on. Influenced so many other bands, Green Day took everything from the Sex Pistols as far as I'm concerned. And um, so we, we do our sound check and there's Steve Jones from the Sex Pistols hanging out in the hallway on the way to the dressing room. So I'm walking over him and he's hanging out, he's smoking a cigarette and he's leaning up against the wall. He's got one foot up against the wall and I'm like, Steve Jones, man, I wore out, Never mind the bullets. I put my hand out, to, I said, big fan. I put my hand out to shake it. Doesn't shake my hand, he just goes like this with his cigarette, goes and he walks away, blows smoke in my face, smiles, nods his head, and walks away, which was the most punk rock thing that anybody could ever do to a fan. It's like, I was like, yes. I, I met Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam when I was 16 oh, years old. Wow. And I was at the 328 Performance Hall. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Mike Watt uh, had an album called Ballhog or Tugboat, and it was Mike Watt, the Foo Fighters, and Hovercraft. This is in 1994, okay? Well, the Foo Fighters weren't even like a huge band. Their very first tour. I mean, this yeah. is the first. I get to meet Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl is amazing, the whole thing. But I went there because I heard I, – I skipped school. I bought the tape. 18 Nova show. I was 16. I skipped school, and I parked behind the alley at 328. And I just sat there with my guitar, like just waiting. I I, I don't play guitar, but I had a guitar. I, I, I tried to play when I was a kid. Right, right. Uh, and then Mike Watt shows up and I'm like, oh my gosh, Mike Watt, can I help you carry your stuff and whatever, whatever. 
Next thing you know, this van pulls up and um, Eddie Vedder's there. He gets out of the van because he had a song on the album and he's like stretching and I'm like, oh my, I'm like shaking. I'm the biggest Pearl Jam fan in the world. And wow. I walk over to Eddie and I go, um, Eddie? And he goes, yeah. And I said, <laughs> I, I'm such a big fan. My my car is right there. Will you will you come sign my guitar? And he goes, this is, and this is, somebody goes, Oh, you know, um, we're not signing anything this tour, but uh, we're giving stuff away. And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> and he reaches in his pocket and pulls out, like, in his hand, he had, like, all these little, like, arcade tokens and a pick and, like, some change. He goes, go ahead, take something. <laughs> so I'm, like, digging through Eddie Vedder's hand, and then they had these gold arcade tokens from St. Louis. And I go, oh, he goes, Oh yeah, we were in St. Louis. There you go, man. You know, he goes, "Oh, oh, hold on." And he reaches in his pocket and pulls out a pack of spearmint Tic Tacs, right? And he eats he eats a Tic Tac and then he hands me the rest of the Tic Tacs. There's one Tic Tac left and he goes, "These have been in my pocket a couple of days. You can have them." And I'm like, "You wouldn't walk 10 feet to sign my guitar, but you'll give me like Give you tic-tac. You'll give me one. It's like that. This is this holy. Like I'm gonna give you my tic tac. Like, all right, dude. Like, <laughs> you're amazing. You're my hero. But that's a little weird. And uh, n- none of this is surprising to me. <laughs> um, so I want to play. I want to play a little something. You posted something on Facebook the other day. You know, I did. The band Little Nicky. Little Nicky. Is that yeah. you? Is that a band? What's going on with Little Nicky? Tell us about Little Nicky. Well, it, it was me. This is probably 2009 that I did this EP. And it's songs that I wrote. And I'm the, I'm the singer. I played all the guitars on there. Some of the tracks I played everything on. But I put a little band together. And we, we were playing around Nashville for a little bit. And uh, I called it Little Nicky. So it was uh, it was a lot of fun. Let's let's play some little Nicky. Yeah, let's, let's see what we it. got let's here. Let's do it. The little Nicky, finally, after all these years. <laughs> it's out there. Um out there, I hope man. this I hope this works. We're gonna <laughs> why don't you will you will you set us up here on this? We're gonna play a song okay. called New York, New York City's Beautiful. Yes. I had a friend of mine that um she worked at CSAC in New York, and I was like How's it? How is it in New York today? And she goes, "It's beautiful, and it's missing you." And I was like, mm. oh, "That's a good idea." And so I wrote the song called "New York City's Beautiful," but it's missing you. And All right. Well, let's let's so, do. We're gonna listen to this. Let's let's go like a minute and a half into this thing. See what we got. Yeah. Good beat there. Get that. Yeah. Should we do a talk up? Okay. Oh, <laughs> Thank you for listening. In. We are 103.3 KDF. Little Nicky. <laughs> I missed it. The intros. 6 a.m. I'm wide awake. Wishing you were here with me today. Look at you. Taxi winds through Central Park Look outside and wonder where you are Cause the autumn leaves have painted a masterpiece 
New York City is beautiful today But it never feels the same when you're away New York City is beautiful today you. All right. That's so great, cool. man. Look at you. Yeah. <laughs> so you could go hear that on Bandcamp. Is that the uh, site? Yeah, I put it up on Bandcamp just a couple of days ago. That's on Bandcamp. Uh, his band is called Little Nicky, and yep. that song was called New York City's Beautiful. And there's, you have several songs on that. You're looking at six different songs: New York City's Beautiful, Afterglow, Mountain of Sand, Blue Sky, Fallout World, and Girl Waiting. Yeah, it's all on there, big nice. time, big EP. Any plans to play anywhere soon? Are you? Well, you know, um, we usually do. Uh, I, I have a group of guys, all Italian, of course, all musicians and music people. Oh, yeah, we're, um, we're right on, like if you turn on Craig Hedgehog, buddy, George Marinelli, right who there, played so with Bonnie Raitt for years, like right Josh right. Leo, who played so with So I've pride Buffett. myself that this Jack podcast Bruno, is about food Jack Bruno, who you can see on the Tina the Turner, he played with Tina but and just Joe Cocker. Give me like the 90 second, if you're listening, you're like, I don't know where it is. I don't know what they do. It's an Italian restaurant. Cindy Lauper, my buddy Paul. Real quick, let people know what they can expect when they come into so we you know, during the week Monday once or twice Friday, a year we'll do a show Italian, here four o'clock to nine o'clock great rock. happy hours and we just, we're just set up in the restaurant and style pizza and we usually do it at christmas unbelievable maybe one really other time of year amazing and i'll just call out songs and we're pumping out here since we opened so up again a couple weeks ago and on every saturday night we have our big um, you know, it's, family it's style all songs that we are, it's like, we already know. I always tell people it's the so best it's Italian like wedding you've ever been to. Let's do the the ass relatives. The, uh, the B so side of yes to that. Fragile, it's a guys. price fix menu. It's three hours long. <laughs> we sing. We so dance. So it's usually stuff that we, we all know. Just, and we have a blast. Yeah, that's, that's 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 the about, thing that you know, started it all ten years ago. We still do it on Saturdays. But so come and hang out. I feel like I'll I'll get back in the studio. Come do that. That sounds like a blast. That sounds like a fun date night. We could do this interview. Just to get away from all of it. The five hours. I know why we're going to do that. I want you to show me the stats of how many people hung for the whole hour. So you're a listener of the show. (laughs) You know what? I don't know if You'd be I, I usually I, I, throw I, people I, off the majority. The I think we have like seventy five percent of people listening to the entire to show. Take us out. That's, so cool. uh, that's how I know when which people is are, cool. Uh, they it's listen awesome. to the whole show. And um, because at the very end, it's awesome. You interviews like you uh, that from make people do the that. Guests. So, so it is your turn, Nick. Go visit Manja. You it's get over to in the very hill neighborhood. This episode, the mic is Whatever you want to say, if you are as long as you want to say socials, talk about whatever you want to talk about. Whatever's on your heart. Over um, there, floor what are you right close wow. to? I'm this telling you, you're like close, kind of by like I before you like get to ML Rose. And wow, I don't know Melrose. what to say. The ex on the spot. We're in that like same Chris Walker and Craighead. Anyway, right there. thanks for listening to you know, Not Even a Half a Block Down. Radio. And, and thanks for letting us open up our world. Walking distance from the there, new soccer people stadium. People that are in the, the restaurant place, business. You're not alone. There's a bunch of us crazy nuts out here doing this stuff. People who are not in the restaurant business. This is what we do. This is what we're about. And I, I thank Brandon that he's got this show to to open up that door to you and let you see what's going on behind the scenes, not just on the plate in front of you. And above all, be kind to each other, people. We've learned that in the last year, year and a half now, 
Being kind goes a long way, and you never know what somebody's going through. Be kind to your servers. Be kind to the person at the door. Be kind to the guy that's parking your car. Be kind to the dishwasher you see dragging a bag of garbage out to the dumpster on your way to your car. Whatever it is, whoever it is, be kind to them. I promise you it will speak volumes about who you are and what you're about. And what's on the plate is not just what's on the plate. There's a lot of stuff that goes into getting it on there. So that's all I got to say. Thanks for listening. I love it. Nick Pellegrino, thank you so much for joining us today. I look forward to seeing you soon, brother. Yeah, man. Come on in. All right. All right. There we go. Um, Nick Pellegrino from Manja. Thank you so much for joining us. If you want to be part of my special team, like I talked about at the beginning, remember we're in Brentwood. So there's it's not a lot of tourists. It's people that you wait on every week. Same people that um, come out, love to eat good food, drink good wine, and um, there's free parking there's no traffic, and you get out of there relatively early. Uh, we close at 9, so no late nights. You can still have a social life. So thank you for listening today. We hope that you guys are being safe. Love you guys. Bye.